Have you ever wondered how to change physician-led organization from inside? Have you wondered how physicians get trained in their residency and medical school somehow may influence the way they lead later? Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There is a Better Way. I'm here with Dr. Hannah Palowski, a physician and also director of operational excellence at Kaiser Permanente, Colorado. Welcome to the program, Hannah. Thank you, Arvind. Anna, before we talk about a critical aspect of problem solving today, I, I just want to take some time to thank you for all the things that uh, people like you do on the front line uh, during the time of this crisis. I know uh, I, I've seen so many of you actually doing countless number of hours working hard to make sure you're seeing the patients and uh, ensuring that they are actually treated on time. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. It's, it's actually a special privilege that when you realize that it's actually great to be a doctor and also at the same time to be a leader and be able to help support doctors to do the, what they need to do now. Great, Anna. So today we're gonna to talk about this idea around soap thinking. Um, for our listeners out there, they probably wouldn't know what soap thinking is. So can you tell us more about what it is and how is it useful in terms of daily decision-making? Right, so basically, you know, we kind of always struggle. How do you get physicians to problem solve when it comes to not taking care of patients, right? So, uh, and SOAP is really just means subjective, objective assessment and plan. And it is how you get trained in medical school to problem solve. So actually physicians are problem solving all the time, day in and day out. And uh, what we actually start thinking is how do you help physicians uh, have, and by physicians, I mean frontline physicians, but also physician leaders, you know, as physicians get transitioned into the higher roles, is how do you connect what you do every day when you're problem solving in exam room to actually problem solving on the front lines on non-patient related things. So, uh, and so, as I said, subjective, objective, assessment and plan is really easy PDCA cycle. And it just, we do that naturally with our patients. You know, if I got to see somebody, obviously I'm going to start thinking and getting background and understanding uh, what is happening with them. What is the history here? You know, and then I need to get the data to be more objective, you know, and this is when we get blood pressure and physical exam, other aspects. Um, and then when we put it all together with the whole patient, you know, you come up with your uh, hypothesis, right? And that's your assessment. And then you have a plan or you're going to try something out and you don't know, first of all, is this the right assessment? And is this plan is going to help? So you're going to try it out and then you're going to reflect and you're going to start again. So for those of us who do pro process improvement, that is no different from what you want people to do uh, when they encounter a problem, right? So, but somehow, uh, and I think it's a mindset issue, people are do okay uh, in exam room, but once people get into more leadership roles, or even just helping the team to problem solve, we jump right from, we got a problem, here's a solution, right? 
So how, and this in-between space doesn't exist. So that's when we start thinking, how do you parallel what people do to actually make them stop? First of all, define the problem, right? And you're not going to jump and say, hey, I just gave you, uh, I don't know, five milligram of a blood pressure medicine, but I'm not sure if you have a blood pressure in the first place, right? So you really need to define the problem and then you need to understand and support your problem with the data. So this is what we, what we do. And so, give you another, mm -hmm. Good, I mean, it's interesting. So you said like, this is something that physicians are, are well accustomed in medical school, right? And their training. So this that's is all we do. That's, that's all we do, day in and day out. We really we use scientific method. Yeah. You know that's what we do, but we don't translate it into the business aspect of running a medical practice. Yeah, and and this is interesting because uh, people try to like say now um, I'm going to apply lean thinking or operational excellence thinking in in, in frontline, and essentially they're doing uh, when they are asking people to get trained, they're exactly doing what you just said, a soap thinking. So I'm wondering, one might be, the, we all know that sometimes the word lean uh, is not really resonating well in, in some aspects of medical areas, right? So could could just, just be a recast of uh, a lean by saying, hey, instead of calling it lean, calling it a soap thinking and, and do what exactly as you said, like bring the data, empower the frontline, have a, a structured way, don't solve the peripheral problem, go deeper into the problem, which is all what you just said. It's kind of and that's exactly sort of like what you, what you actually uh, just mentioned is probably the biggest struggle. Again, that goes back to, do you start with a method of lean or do you start with a mindset, right? And mindset is so difficult to change. So, and I think when you use a lot of Japanese words or you say lean, right? What do you mean lean? Oh, we're going to cut people or we're going to lean you out or you know, I can give you tons of examples and that's where the main struggles are. And this is where um, I discuss this a lot with Lisa Williams, who you know is my uh, coach for MBOE and we are writing a book together. And actually we are going to probably do some of this in the book more, and more than we actually initially expected uh, because we need to find a way to get to people. You need to find a way to uh, help the leaders to be better leaders but not feel that we're throwing some foreign terminology that turns people off. So this is one parallel. And then I throw, uh, throw you another parallel. Um, once I was thinking about lean and sort of system thinking, right? And I recently had a chance to present to executives kind of uh, mechanistic thinking versus system thinking mm -hmm. and, and sort of came up with this a different sort of analogy is are you, because it's all physicians, obviously, um, are you going to treat symptoms? Is it going to be symptoms-based approach to what you're going to do, or is it going to be a system-based approach? And then we went to this whole discussion. You will never just give somebody a pill to treat, you know, blood pressure without thinking how is it going to affect their cognitive function? You know, how is it going to affect, you know, their liver function, right? It's all connected. So we need to connect this the same way when we manage, if I'm going to go and problem solve, um, you know, with the billing department, but then we are going to create problem for physicians who are doing the billing, you know, you gotta connect, it's all connected. It's a living organism with all these different parts called organs. Anyway, I'm just throwing those two parallels for well, you. I, I, I do agree with this. I mean, like it's very easy for um, 
for us to convince this approach, right? The soap thinking approach, when you think about it from an anatomy perspective, okay, uh, a blood pressure medication has to be thought through uh, whether the person has diabetes or not. So it's very easy given the, the DNA of these learning that happens in physicians to, to make that concept happen. Switching gears coming and you talked about billing, let's not even go to billing. Let's think about like, um, how do I improve the safety conditions in an operating room? Or how do I, that requires going back to your systemic thinking, that requires me as a physician now to coordinate across, coordinate with the anesthesiologist, coordinate with um, the, the, the nurse out there, the surgical tech out there. So that allows you to complete it. And that's where the challenges are. If I, if I talk to so many healthcare providers, who believe in operational excellence, they feel that that is the disconnect that they have among their uh, staff. Is they understand it, but it, when, when it comes to applying it beyond the, the anatomy aspect of it, they struggle. So for those people out there, what would you say? How do I take this that I've always been used to this in my medical field and apply it in the context of improving quality of care, improving coordination, and all those things where it's going to be requiring you to to actually talk to people and interact with them differently. How do you, how do you go about that? So I think that goes back, it's interesting to the way you work with a patient as well, right? So mm -hmm. your patient, you're, you're a team with your patient, right? The same yeah. thing is if you've got your operating room and you've got your nurses, right? And you've got your anesthesiologist. I mean, if you are this arrogant, all know physician, right? How much they're going to cooperate with you to make an improvement? Same with patients, right? If I come to the room and I don't develop relationships and we are not a team, guess what? I can be the brightest of the brightest physicians in the world and I will never get an outcome because mm -hmm. they will not connect with me and they are not going to do this. That's your third parallel. Like you really have to be human. You really need to understand people. You really need to understand that it takes two to tango, four to tango, six to tango. You know, you got, this is your all... You've got the problem to solve together, and it's not you, you're not the lonely hero, right? And mm -hmm. that's another sort of thing that you see a lot, where how do you transition? And that's what we found interviewing people for the book. We've done sort of tons of interviews, and, um, and what we asked was, uh, what do you think, uh, what are the roadblocks for physicians in transitioning to being physician leaders, right? And the main roadblock is when you're in residency, you basically like top down run teams. You know, if there is a code, right? You can't have five people running a code, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this kind of like automatic, autocratic sort of thinking gets built into you. And again, it depends on the residency. Some like, you know, I'm married to a gynecologist. So guess what? They were much more autocratic. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an internist. So I'm a little more into team thinking and stuff like that. So then how do you take this skill that you got and then understand that, guess what? You're not a hero and you're not here to firefight, you know? And that is a very hard transition specifically to me for physician leaders to say, guess what? This is more complex. Let's go back and think like you think with the patient. Let's also understand that it's all about relationships mm. and the process and teams and, and, and if people can grasp it and sort of create this sort of uh, parallel with good feedback, then they can transition into this sort of operational excellent thinking. Mm, but great. I think, yeah, but I think that's why connecting this to, to patient, to, you know, to that, those experiences 
helps. Okay, so connecting definitely helps with the patient. So tell us more, Rana, about like some of the ways that you tend to do this. Now it's easy to say this than doing it, right? And you've actually done it. So can you right. give us some hard examples of how do you go about doing this to change the mindset of a physician to a physician leader? So um, I've been kind of doing this for the last six years because I realized early on that um, tools are not going to get you anywhere. And uh, I mean, they can initially, obviously, uh, but you really need to change mindsets. So uh, just one example, I used to run one of the buildings, like one of the larger buildings in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had um, a partner, a health plan partner. You know, we have diets in Kaiser. So you always have a physician and a, and a health plan partner. And uh, her name is Pat. I can mention that because uh, they're very close. She retired since then. She spent like 38 years uh, at Kaiser before she retired. And, and she managed in this sort of autocratic space, you know, and, uh, and then I had to engage her, you know, we sort of had to learn together, go to see Gemba together. And once that mindset changed, last two years before she left, we did all the process improvement. And it really was personal conversations and giving examples. And she was married to a physician as well. So he, we can connect sort of some of this uh, stuff and, uh, and then doing things with staff. Right? We first started with her just say, hey, how about we create an idea management board? And obviously I saw it. There was before MBOE and uh, I read the Mark Graben's book and how they basically use idea management for change everything in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, so I said, hey, Pat, let's try that. And, and she saw that she never had this degree of engagement, you know, because she tried to force people to do things. And then once she saw it once or twice, I mean, she became the biggest advocate and she went to learn. So she went to learn some of this lean methodology. And then one by one, we literally, we kind of joke about that. It's really um, a network of people that you build, converting them one by one. And I can name you a couple of chiefs who I worked with. And uh, one example is my pediatric chief under me. And I used to kind of, and again, I learned over time because I think I was so obsessed with lean that I was all lean. I was all Japanese terms. And they thought Hannah is just nuts. I mean, what is happening? And uh, so one of these pediatric chiefs, I was able to kind of get him into that. And we did tons of work together. And actually he's leaving uh, Kaiser and he is getting a bigger position in Portland. And he is going to do lean for this big pediatric uh, group. Mm. But there was this, and he says, it was just you constantly engaging with me. And finally it's clicked. Mm. And, you know, finally, but again, I try tons, tons of methods, you know, with, you know, you give people the book or you try to show them a three, but honestly, at the end of the day, I've learned that it goes back to basics, mm. get to know people first, find what the problem they are trying to solve, go side by side with them to solve that problem and, and leverage one of the methods if needed. And usually, usually I do a three thinking if it can help me. Uh, and again, I don't always walk around with A3s, but the thinking that I'm using with them, and, uh, and that's how you convert them one by one. So can give you, you can use it or not use this. Another example, sort of more cross-regional example, because now that I kind of want to influence people to start doing this differently, 
and we have pockets of people doing it, but you want to start. Uh, so I just tackling a very complex issue of sort of uh, disability, you know, how do you write or sort of how do you write paperwork for disability in FMLA? And it's super complex. Mm -hmm. There are layers to that. So uh, first thing was, I said, we are going to assemble the team of all the people who eventually will have to help us deploy this. Very different approach, right? So uh, kind of knowing proactively. And then we kind of sat down and went through A3. And then this example, I actually did use A3. And what we all learned together that it's very easy to then get sponsorship and then go with a really nice data-driven A3 where you called and you got benchmarks and best practices, you know, and you can just go and to your sponsor and you don't have to show a 20 point PowerPoint. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can visualize everything on one page and I totally get where you're going. Yeah, I'm sponsoring you. So that is, this is how I'm trying now to change those people who are on the team with me to use this to influence. So, so what I'm hearing, Anna, is again, that perseverance matters. The social connection is the best approach to get this spread within the organization and that perseverance of okay, having them trying them, having them try things to do is the best way to think about this, right? So, so for listeners out there, Hannah, as you think about some of the lessons that you have learned uh, by actually, because what you have done is a really complex job of taking uh, some of the principles of operational excellence and lean and trying to change organizations, both bottom up and top to, top to bottom in a, in a more, uh, I would say systematic way. So if you were to reflect back on all the things that you have done um, and, and tell our listeners, how can you do it in your own organization? What, where do they start? What are some things that they should know about when they think about cultural transformations in their organization? I think first thing is start with yourself. You know, uh, I, first of all, are you going to learn all those things? It's all about learning. Second of all, what is your type? What is your style of management? Did you change your own mindset? Because I've seen this a lot where people say, oh, I'm doing lean, but they're not managing lean, right? So that was a big transformation for me. I was autocratic. I was super fast thinker. You know, I'm an immigrant. You know, I had to be 18 and I had to care of my parents and everything, you know, and uh, my life was different. So I can get things done super fast. But with, I had to ask myself, did I use the right process? And it, did I teach and coach people while I was doing that. So that was the first thing, personal transformation. And, and uh, naturally, I'm not the best listener, right? And you, if you don't listen, and you talk all the time and lean, then guess what? It's not going to work. So I had to get a coach and say, I am naturally not necessarily a lean thinker. Help me, what can I do? And the hardest thing for me is to ask questions, right? Because again, you go back to your other ways of doing stuff. So, uh, so that's my first lesson. Lesson number two, go slow to go fast, you know, and uh, do not overwhelm people. It's like the patient. Get your audience ready before you trust to push them to get something done. So that was a big lesson where I tried to uh, we were doing a transformation in one clinic. It worked really well, but they knew me really well. And then we tried to copy paste it to a different clinic and uh, 
guess what? I did not do my homework. I did not build relationships. I did not bring people to that level and it didn't work. So that was a reflection. I had to change that. So um, that's second. And number three is you do need leadership support. So you actually have to be working both influencing down and influencing in parallel to your peers and also influencing up. And it's, again, you have to build relationships. You can't do it super fast. Uh, you have to take your time. And again, and you have to continuously learn and continuously reflect and know that you're going to make mistakes and you know you're not going to be perfect and it's okay. I made tons of mistakes. That's great, Anna. I think, I think, I think yeah, those are some valuable uh, um, lessons if you think about it. Start there. It's okay to do mistakes. If you want to change an organization, start with you and apply this in a, in a fashion that's more uh, systematic would be the way to go. Hey, and I, I really want to take uh, this opportunity to thank you again. I know um, I've learned a lot about how to change inside out because oftentimes, um, uh, be it lean, be it operational excellence, be it uh, uh, like whatever you want to call, it's the structured problem solving approach. So uh, what, what, what is very interesting from what you just told me is you can win it using the same language that the physician groups have had by just applying them and teaching them how to do that. So this has been great, Anna. So thank you so much for you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.